This is Ready Radio, preparing you to be ready for anything. Now, here's your survival guide for Ready Radio, John Rush. All right, and it is Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it very much. Live show today on June the 23rd. So if you're listening to a replay uh, throughout the week or even at another time, you know exactly what day it is today. We had some severe weather here this last week. We'll get into that here in a little bit as well because those are the things we talk about on a routine basis. But I want to make sure I recap a couple of things we talked about here recently as well because even though this show may replay, tomorrow on the 24th, there is a great uh, conference summit up in the Loveland area. It's at the event center up there. Naturally Inspired Health Summit. In fact, I gave quite a few tickets away earlier this week, and I appreciate each and every one that called in and participated, or texted me, I should say, and participated in that. Too late now for me to mail any more out, but uh, I sent out, I can't remember now, about 15 or 16 tickets or so. So thank you all, by the way. We appreciate that very, very much. And you can still get tickets at the door. I believe they are $20, and you can get them online prior to getting there if you'd like. And again, that's the Naturally Inspired Health Summit, real solutions for healthy living. You'll learn from experts on natural health, meet local natural health care providers, discover new products, get inspired. You can get back to the basics, become self-sufficient. Again, a lot of the things that we talk about here on Ready Radio, they will be talking about at that particular event. And if it wasn't for the other two programs I have on Saturdays, Fix It Radio and Drive Radio, I would be up there. Unfortunately, those two shows don't necessarily coincide with that particular event. Although, if this goes well, which I think it will, and they would like me to take part in actually having those two shows there, we may very well try to do that next year. But I will not be at the event tomorrow. So a lot of you that may be out there looking around and wondering, where am I? I will be down here on air doing what we do normally on Saturdays for about four hours. So anyways, I hope you guys all have... A great time. That's at the 5280 Arena Circle in Loveland, Colorado. Again, the ranch, the Larimer County Fairgrounds and Events Complex. So that'll be tomorrow. Starts, I believe, at 9 a.m. That's when the doors open. There'll be all sorts of vendors and people there. And folks like Dr. Peter McCullough will be there speaking and others like him. So it is an event that you will uh, you know, thoroughly enjoy, especially if you're a avid listener of what we do here on Ready Radio, and that's the things that you would like to learn more about, which a lot of you listening, you wouldn't be listening if you didn't want to learn more. So appreciate uh, them getting in contact with me and actually giving us those tickets that I was able to give out this past week. I appreciate that very much, so thank you. Also, don't forget, last week we had Tina Francone and Tanya Von Beber on, and we talked about their new organization called Save Our Grid and it's saveourgrid.org is the website you can go to. So just as a recap of last week, it's an organization where they're really trying to raise awareness of the condition that our grid, our power grid, is in from coast to coast, what needs to be done to shore it up, what cities, counties, states, even the federal government needs to be doing in that end of things, and really just bringing awareness across the board. So I want to say thanks again to, to Tina and Tanya both for joining us last week. And uh, we might have Tina back here in the future as well as a firearms instructor because that's really up her alley as well. Might get her on and talk some about that as well. Love to talk to her in this particular program about that. So I'm going to work on that here in the very near future, possibly even the next show we do. So I'll let you guys know 
how that goes here in the next few days on on Rush to Reason as well. All right, several topics that I wanted to pick through today. Charlie sent me this one last minute, so I haven't read the article thoroughly, although I know enough about it because I've done this. And it's not that difficult to do. I'll sort of walk you through out of this article today. This is in the Huffington Post. But it's even though that's a very left-leaning website, again, a blind squirrel finds a nut occasionally. And this says Zillow, but really it can be Zillow, Redfin, Realtor, anybody that has real estate home pictures that may stay up on the Internet for quite some time. I've talked about this a little bit on Fix-It Radio, only I'm going to take a little different angle in this particular situation, not from the sale of your home and what you need to do there, but once you've bought a home that may have been listed for sale, and by the way, it could have been listed for sale numerous years ago, and the point is those pictures that were used to market and sell that home may very well still be up on those websites I just mentioned. The thing is, you need to get them down. If you, anybody can see the, well, I shouldn't say anybody. The majority of people can do a street view of Google and look at the front of your home. So if there's a picture of the front of your house, so what? There's not much you're going to be able to do about that. It is what it is. It's taken from a public street, and it's fair game. A lot of people have the misconception. You can't take a picture of whatever, whatever. Well, if they're on public property and you're, if you're within view, yes, they can, actually. There's nothing illegal about that. I believe, Charlie, the rule is if you don't want somebody taking a picture of something you have, you've got to keep it behind closed doors, screen it, do whatever's possible. Otherwise, it is fair game, including if you live down below a large mountain and somebody with a zoom lens can be up on top of the mountain and shoot down into your backyard and click pictures of what's going on in your backyard. It's sort of like the paparazzi, Charlie. If I'm not mistaken, there's nothing illegal about what I just said. If you can see it and take a picture of it, it's fair game. So just remember that. There's a lot of folks out there that think, oh, I, you, you, that's, not, that's not legal. You can't do that. Well, actually, it is. In fact, there's many a, a kind of man-on-the-street video of where people may be trying to prove a point. There's a particular channel that I watch occasionally where, YouTube channel, where a individual will challenge certain cities and counties on what they know about the law. For example, they will walk into a post office and start filming. And, of course, typically they get all sorts of resistance. The postmaster will even come out, and sometimes the postal employees will be all over it. Like, you know, you can't do that. You can't be here taking pictures. And well, actually, it's in the public area, and it's government-slash-citizen-owned property. And the reality is, yes, you can. Now, you can't take pictures of people's addresses, and you can't go in the back room and all that. But in the public area of a post office, of a library, of a courthouse, of any type of buildings like that, yes, in fact, you can be there taking pictures. As a matter of fact, you can be on any public sidewalk and take pictures of anything around you. You can stand there all day long and just click pictures. And as long as you're not a nuisance to people, you know, badgering things along those lines, there's nothing illegal about that. So just a side note, there, there's nothing illegal about that or having somebody click the picture of the front of your house. Now, if you live off the beaten path, 
and the Google car with the camera on it can't reach you. Of course, the front of your house isn't going to have a street view on Google. But when it comes to the satellite images of your property, those are all available. In fact, that's where, just as a side note, you have to be careful when not doing things to code. So you are out kind of in the boonies, and you decide you're going to put up a 20 by 40 barn without a permit. Well, good luck. Eventually, that's going to come back around because the counties and so on, they can look at that through those satellite images and know how much rooftop you actually have. So that's where if you're going to do those things, you need to pull permits and do things correctly or it's going to come back to bite you one way or the other. Now, some of you would say, well, it's none of their business. Well, I agree, by the way. But I'm just telling you that's how they view things and that's how they will find certain things that you are doing. And again, if you don't want them knowing, then you better figure out a way to screen all of that. Otherwise, they're going to find it. And remember... They can look at all times of the year. And there are companies out there that actually, we had one here in Colorado, I think they're still around, that does that satellite mapping. It used to be up north of of town here. And they do that satellite mapping, and they do it all year long. So if somebody wants an image of something on a particular day even, they can actually deliver that. can't remember the name of the company. If, Charlie, you think of it and it comes to mind, let me know. But at any rate. A lot of folks think, well, it's, it's, in, you know, it's screened, it's in my backyard, nobody's going to know it's there. Eh, think again. So, point being on this article Charlie sent me is Zillow and those other real estate sites can pose a real security threat to you. Now, the other thing that I would never do, and we've talked about this before on my other programs, but if you're getting ready to sell your house and the photographer is coming through, I would take everything down that's related to me personally. Family, I would do it just to sell the house you know, better anyways because people don't want to see your family photos. Hide them away. Tuck them away. Put them in a box. Do whatever you need to. Valuables of any kind, I would not have those on the Internet. If you have a gun safe, I would not put that on the Internet. If you have a gun room, I would not put that on the Internet. In fact, I wouldn't even put in the description that you have one. No offense. Nobody's buying your house because you have a really cool gun room. Now, they may like it once they see it, and that may put you know the... One of the two partners, husband or wife, you know, one of the two may like that more than the other because it's there, but it's not going to make or break the sale of your house. Sorry, it's just not. If you get the right house and have all of that included, a nice man cave and gun room and all of that, okay, that will add to it, but there's very few people buying a home just because it has a nice safe room or something along those lines. And again, because of the security aspect of things, I would not put that out. And here's why. What if, for whatever reason, your house doesn't sell? Okay? And remember, you may live in it for the next 45 to 60 or even 90 days, depending upon the deal you make, even if you do sell it. Do you want to be that vulnerable by having all of those things out on the Internet? My answer would be no. It's why in a lot of cases you'll see properties listed where they'll say, you know, there's a barn out back that you can fit, you know, X amount of cars or tractors or whatever in, and there's no pictures of the inside of the barn. Most likely some valuable stuff in the barn that that owner that's selling doesn't want anybody else to see, especially the entire internet. It's one thing to have a buyer there looking and and a real estate agent. It's another thing 
to have the entire world able to look at it. Because remember, when you put it out there on the Internet, it is for the entire world to see. Anybody that wants to find it can. And also remember that once an image, in this case, is out there, it's out there. You can, you can delete it from the Internet, but all somebody had to do was take a screenshot or take their phone or a camera and take a picture of what's on this screen. You, you get where I'm going with this. Just because it's deleted doesn't mean somebody doesn't still have it. So that's why I would be very careful about what you put on your listing in the first place. And I have toured home after home after home. I've viewed home after home after home. And I would tell you, in, in a lot of cases, I am shocked at the things people put on there for their photos when it comes to selling their homes. And by the way, I'm shocked in two ways. One, I'm shocked at times of, could you clean the place up before you take those pictures? That would really be nice. Nobody wants to see your dirty bath towel hanging in the bathroom in your picture of your home. No, you know, Nobody wants to see that. And again, nobody wants to see your family photos or other memorabilia and so on. Get rid of that stuff first before taking those pictures. In a lot of cases, a bare wall is better than what I just said. I was talking to uh, Wade from Premier Home Remodels. He was out of my house this week. He's going to be on uh, Rush to Reason here in just a little bit and on Fix It Radio tomorrow as well. I was talking to Wade this last week, and he said, you know, I was at a house where we were doing a bunch of work and so on, and there was a big mural that somebody had had painted on one of the walls in the house and had spent, you could tell, a lot of money putting this mural up, which, by the way, is great, fabulous. But what if the next person coming in doesn't like said mural? You may have spent a fortune. You may love it. But what if the next person coming in doesn't? Or even when it comes to the sale of the house, the sale of the house, what if they don't like it either? And what if they can't see beyond that? You would be surprised, and I've seen some of this stuff because we've toured some homes in the past couple of years, my wife and I have. You would be surprised at some of the things people put up that's very unique to them, but may not be unique to the next person. So, side note. Point being, if you've ever gone through the sale of your home, and you've tried to sell it and didn't, or you bought your home, and you've bought it recently, by the way, I would just do a test and go Google your address, by the way. That's all you have to do. You don't even have to look at Zillow or Redfin or any of the other companies that are out there. Just, or, or you know, Realtor.com. Just Google your address, and you'll, it'll all pop up. You'll be able to see site by site by site what pictures are there. In fact, as a test of that, I did that with my home prior to coming on. And fortunately for me, all you get is a little bit of a street view, and that's it. There's nothing else you can see of my home. And that's what I want. So you have to go through this process of, first of all, figuring out what's there, and then you have to figure out how do you eliminate it. Now, here's how you can do that, at least on Zillow. I don't know about the other sites, but I do know on Zillow, you can claim the home. This is where you also have to be checking your home on a regular basis. I would Google my address probably once a month or so. Once you Google your address, you need to claim that as your home, and hopefully nobody else has yet. Claim it as yours. You'll have to have an account with Zillow in this case to do that, but once you have an account, 
claim that as your home, and then you can go in and clean all that up. If you want to upload some pictures, be my guest. I wouldn't. As long as there's a, you know, there'll be a street view picture anyways, and if that's all you want there, leave it, call it good. Eliminate any other pictures they might have. The other thing you would definitely want to eliminate are floor plans. To me, those are as dangerous as some of the other photos I just mentioned. And really quick, the reason why we don't want to have pictures of our family up is not because we, you know, it's not that we don't love our family and want to show them off. We love our family and we don't want to show them off, especially when it comes to young children. There's a lot of folks out there that are not nice people that are just waiting for an opportunity and preying on people. And that's the last thing you need. So, again, this is sort of a safety show in a way in this particular segment. And, again, Charlie sent me this right before the program. I hadn't thought of doing this, but we've never talked about this in this way before on this program. So I thought I would go ahead and spend a segment covering it because it is very important. So claim your home on Zillow and then go through and make adjustments accordingly. Now, here's the other thing. I... Nobody cares what Zillow says is your value. So if you look at Zillow and it's way low on value because it doesn't have the last remodel or it doesn't have this, that, or the other, so what? Who cares? I I wouldn't update it and change anything along those lines because at the end of the day, it makes no difference. You're not selling your home today, and even if you were, you're going to base your home's value on what it's worth in the marketplace based upon the things that it has, not what Zillow says it's worth not the guesstimate that Zillow puts out. Now, am I against Zillow? I'm not their biggest fan. I'll tell you that straight up. I'm not their biggest fan. I think they give people a very, at times, inflated idea of what their home's value is, and then they think that's the gospel truth moving forward, even though it's just an algorithm that's figuring your square footage and location and so on into a big you know, program, and then it spits out what they think the value is, or that program spits out what what it thinks the value of your house is. So if you don't go in and update it, frankly, don't care. I would just update it and get rid of pictures, especially floor plans. Now, I think it's common sense as to why we don't want a floor plan. We don't want a floor plan because they then know exactly how to enter the home, exit the home, and where things are and so on. So, again, I would take all of those things off. The other thing I talked about earlier this week, this was on Monday with John from Denver IT Security, is, and this is something that you have to pay attention to, and I see this mistake being made all of the time. When or if you're on vacation or you're out of town or you're doing something, Be careful what you post and when you post it. The last thing you want is for anybody to know you're not home. So you're on vacation and you're in, I don't know, wherever, Florida. You're on the beach, you're soaking it up, and it's February. Oh, look at me, I'm enjoying the sun. Oh, you know, that's all great, but now you just told everybody you're not home. And even if maybe you've got a little bit older kids and they're home watching everything, but you're still gone, you're still gone. And they're still home. And I wouldn't do that. I would be extremely careful what I put on social media as to where I am. 
And that's for a lot of you. Now, I know a lot of you have to post things because it's your job and you're doing different things and so on. I would still be extremely careful on all of that. and Because a lot of you will say, well, I, only my friends can see that. Well, not always. Sometimes settings can change and things can happen. And again, people can share different things. And before you know it, people that you don't want seeing that you're out of town now see that you're out of town. So just because you think other people can't see it, be careful is my only point. Now, if you're comfortable with being out of town and you've got, you know, other people there watching things, you know, grown adults and sitters and what have you, and you don't care, then, hey, you don't care. That's your deal. But I just think there's a lot of folks that don't really think about that prior to posting it, and now all of a sudden they've told the entire world they're on vacation. So, again... Be careful with those things when it comes to this whole Zillow in your home and all of the other sites that are out there, which, by the way, will populate off one another. I have learned that by by knowing folks in that particular industry. They will populate based upon one another. So typically, once you get one removed, they will start removing in other areas as well. So, again, claim your home. Edit the facts about your home. Delete and or update photos that you would like to have on Zillow. But be very cautious in what you put up there. Now, how to remove them from Trulia. They receive their photos from Zillow, which is its sister site. Which, by the way, I did not know. Did you know that, Charlie, that Trulia was Zillow's sister site? I did not know that either. So I just learned something today. So when you remove from Zillow or remove from Trulia already. Realtor.com. You have to set up an account, verify your address before you can see your home's dashboard, which then has a remove photo button under the My Home tab. Redfin. Like the other sites, Redfin requires you to have an account, sign in to access your owner dashboard, go to the owner dashboard using the drop-down menu, and just follow the prompts, and you can even hide listing photos, edit photos, do whatever you need to. That's how Redfin works. So that's the way to remove photos that are on the Internet of your home. I hope that's been handy to some of you listening. If you want to know what's up there, again, on your own home, or even some of your kids' homes, where you're thinking, hey, I should probably pass this along to some family members, just Google the address, And you can look it up and see exactly which site has what photos on it and then go through the process I just mentioned a moment ago to get rid of some of those. So we'll be right back. i got some more things to cover. Don't worry. Stack Optical, Alan Stack. I just got a message, by the way, from somebody that said, I'm going to Alan this week to get my prescription updated. I need some new contacts and glasses and so on. And, yes, that's exactly what Alan at Stack Optical will do. They'll give you a great eye exam for a very low price. Whatever else you need eyewear-wise, contacts, glasses, reading glasses, sunglasses, sporting glasses, you name it. And I've said this before, if you're a shooter or you're doing anything where you need a, a different uh, lens and the, the ability to see through that lens at different times in different places, they'll have you actually bring your unloaded weapon in and you know actually have you look through the sights, the scope, whatever it is you're doing, and then Alan will design a lens 
that works for whatever it is you're doing. That's how he does it. By the way, I don't know of any other optometrists and eyeglass stores that actually do what Alan does, because most of them, if you brought an unloaded gun in, would probably run you off. Now, you need to call ahead, make an appointment, say, this is what I need, and that's when they will tell you, fine, bring your weapon in, unloaded, blah, 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 and off you go. But there's, there's not, they're not going to be scared of you bringing the weapon in is my case. So just talk to them. They'll walk you through that whole process and how that works. Stack Optical, 303-321-1578. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. Summer hailstorms have returned with a bang, leaving roofs across the front range in need of repair or replacement. You need to know what options will be best for your home. Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we pride ourselves in helping homeowners maintain their roofs through hail or shine. We work with any insurance company to get your damaged roof the replacement it needs. However, if you are looking to get more life out of your current roof, we also offer a 100% plant-based rejuvenation treatment that gives new roof performance without all the new roof costs. With over 20 plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your situation and through every season. If you think your roof has been a victim of hail, contact us to set up your free inspection and receive an honest evaluation about the condition of your roof. Call today at 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com to keep a durable roof over your head. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. All right, we are back. Ready Radio, KLZ 560. As you just heard, our website, ready-radio.com. You can go back and listen to past shows and just see what all we've had on and guests and so on. And appreciate each and every one of you listening. Lines are open, by the way. I didn't think about mentioning that earlier. I apologize. If you want to call in and chat about anything or have a question on what I just went through 
in regards to your home and photos and so on. More than welcome to call. You can text us as well. Uh, the phone number here at the studio, 303-477-5600. Text line 307 200 8222 again 307 200 8222 and you're welcome to ask questions on either either way if you call in we'll get them answered that way if you want to text in we can do it that way as well something i was going to mention today and and i need to and i should have done this prior to now and and i'll again i just get so many things going on at times i i'm like everybody else i just get busy and tend to forget with all of the rain we've just had and in some cases, the past few days, we've had some downpour-type situations. One thing that I think every home should have, and they're not that expensive, depending upon how fancy you get. In some cases, they can get expensive, but they don't have to be. But there's one item that I think every home should have, and that is a portable pump, water pump. Now, some of those you can use, they're really inexpensive. You run a cordless drill to run them or an electric drill. Uh, there's all sorts of ways they work. Some, again, are very, very simple and inexpensive. Some are very expensive depending upon how it's done and how many gallons per minute it will pump. My point with having a nice portable pump around is if and when you have a situation where you've got too much water in a particular area, you can use said pump to help eliminate flooding. And again, it's not a bad idea to have one of those handy. And I mean, there's everything from small electric pumps, pumps all the way up to what we call in the business trash pumps, where literally they're gas operated. They have almost a fire hose. Well, they do have a fire hose type hookup to where you can literally put the inlet you know, down in whatever kind of, you know, water you've got. You see them used all over construction sites and so on. They make small ones, big ones, huge ones. I saw I went by a construction site today where they were literally, this is what reminded me of it, by the way. I went by a construction site today. There were five of these large diesel-operated trash pumps that were pumping water out so they could keep the construction site dry and do whatever work they needed to do. So, again, they make these things from as small as you can think of to as large as you can think of with about as much capacity, you know, in between as, as you would want. Now, what is a good rule of thumb for a pump? I don't know that there is one. It depends on where you live and how much water you may or may not have to deal with. If you're experiencing, I, you know, I saw, for example, uh, from the, the little tornado we had that came through Highlands Ranch, I saw some folks where it had broken some windows and there was lots of water coming in, flooding basements, things like that. And I was thinking, you know, if some of those folks would have just had a small electric, you know, suction pump, water pump, you could have eliminated a lot of issues by just having a pump that you put a garden hose on the end of the pump Run that out the window. The water's coming in. It's pumping it right back out, and you're, you could save a lot of damage because you can also use some other things, clothing even, to kind of dam up around the area to keep the water pooled in one spot and not have it go all over the basement or the house or wherever it happens to be coming in. You know, Use your imagination. There's all sorts of ways, pool noodles, things like that, that you can use to keep that water from running around and you know basically pool it up, get it into a kind of a pond type of, a, of an area, if you would put the pump in there and pump it back out. Most probably have never thought about what I just said. And again, it's one of those things to have on the front side. So if you ever need it, you just have it. And 
They're not that expensive. In fact, they're sold, uh, gosh, all over. Uh, you can get them at Home Depot. You can, you know, they're you know, basically they're you use them for all sorts of things. They make them specific for pumping off the water of a cover of a of a pool, for example. They make them when you hook up a pond and you need water coming out of a fountain. And there's all sorts of different water pumps that are out there. Key is just use your imagination as to what do I need, how much flow do I need, what am I, you know, how much water am I trying to move, and then buy accordingly. And they're sold all over the Internet, locally, in stores. If you want to see one, again, all of your big box stores will have them. It's just a matter of determining what is the flow you need and then use it accordingly. Now, in some cases, it'll have a screen already built in where you don't have to worry about you know it sitting down on top of mud and crud and so on. It'll just pump it right out and filter it itself. Other ones, you'll need to put it in some sort of a wire basket and then have that be the filtration. So in some cases, you may want to run a little wire screen across the inlet. All sorts of ways to do that. Just you know, think outside the box. And b- bottom line, though, is determining... What do I need when it comes to pumping out some of this excess water that may actually come into my house? Now, in a lot of cases, homes are built up on a slope, and they do that especially with new homes on purpose to keep water away from the foundation and the basement and so on. A lot of you have sump pumps even that will do what I just said. But a sump pump, when there's water coming through a window well, isn't going to do you any good. Now, if you've got the ability and it's an open basement and you could squeegee everything into the sump pump pit... Maybe then it might help, but that's only if you've got an open basement. And frankly, if you've got an open basement and the water's coming in, it's not a huge issue. Normally, it's where you've finished a basement or something along those lines, or even the garage. There's a bunch of water flooding in the garage or what have you. So, one more thing. I was watching video of the tornado that came through Highlands Ranch. Videos, plural. And there were some people, video, video, I can't talk here. Video, videoing the tornado, and they're like standing in their garage with the garage door up, videotaping the tornado. And I'm thinking, you're a knucklehead. Number one, you should be running for cover. Number two, you shouldn't be standing in the doorway of any kind ever. And number three, I would keep the doors closed, not open you're actually adding to the vacuum that's already being created in your home by having the door open. I would not have the door open. You're making it worse by having the door open. You're better off having it closed, including all the windows. Now, again, I just don't think people here in Colorado are that familiar with tornadoes at times to think through that. Now, if you lived in the, you know, in the uh, uh, tornado belt area, you would think about things differently. And as I saw lots of people posting last night, you know, well, Colorado doesn't get tornadoes. Well, actually we do. And I've seen, we've seen them right in this Denver metro area. Thornton, we just saw one in Highlands Ranch. I mean, is it an every storm occurrence like it is in Tornado Alley? No. But do we get them? Absolutely. Now, the one in Highlands Ranch, was it a F3, 4, or 5? You know, some of these big ones you see wipe out towns throughout the Midwest. No, it wasn't. Could it be? I, I, I'm, that is way above my pay grade. I have no idea. I don't know what the largest tornado we possibly could have in Colorado. We've had them not far from Denver on the eastern plains where it's wiped out complete towns. So 
I don't know how close to the mountains they will get. There's a rule of thumb that if you're up against the foothills, you'll never see a tornado. I've lived in Colorado my entire life, and I've never seen a tornado against the foothills. You know, like even like Golden Boulder and so on, I've never seen tornadoes in those areas. Now, I've seen tornadoes in Erie, Thornton, just a, just a tad west of I-25, but I've never seen them along the edge of the mountains. And I don't know if that's because the mountains, div, you know, divert some of that airflow and so on. I, I'm not an expert in that, so I don't know. My point is, if, in fact, you're in a tornado like we saw happen yesterday, Charlie and I actually pretty much witnessed that tornado kind of start forming and come across the town, and it didn't take very long. It kind of, kind of you know, formed and then went away pretty quickly, and if you look at the video of it, that's exactly what happened, but we were sitting here at the studio watching it happen. Point is, if you're in that, take cover. Don't be out on the porch videoing or in the window videoing or in the garage door videoing. No, get in, find cover. We've talked about this in some shows in the past. Find the strongest part of your house. Hang out there until it passes. You can go out and look at the aftermath afterwards. You don't want to be famous by having video of it. The last thing you want to do is be injured. So I highly advise against standing in a doorway taking pictures, especially when you're like in the middle of the tornado. So in those of you that... We're in that tornado yesterday, and you've had some uh, property damage and so on. I apologize. One thing I want to mention, too, is Roof Savers of Colorado, one of our great sponsors here. If you're somebody in that area that had damage of any kind, don't call your insurance company. Call Dave Hart from Roof Savers of Colorado first. He'll come out, evaluate everything, determine what's needed, what's your deductible, what's your policy say, and so on, and then figure out what your next steps are. Dave can, as needed, replace your entire roof. Not a problem. Yes, he's big on repairing and extending the life of your roof, but if it needs a complete replacement because of damage, in this case tornado, hail, and what have you, yes, Dave can do all of that as well. There's times I think people think, oh, Dave's just going to be there to repair things. No, if it needs a complete roof, That's right up Dave's alley. He's done that. He owned a roofing company prior to even doing what he's doing now. He's essentially got another roofing company. He just takes a different approach to it than just replacing every roof he runs across. He wants to repair the ones he can save, replace the ones he can't. So, yeah, anything you need, Roof Savers of Colorado. Find him all over my different sites that I have. He's at klzradio.com, ready-radio.com. You name it, you can find Dave. And, and, again, that's the best way to do it, Roof Savers of Colorado. I'll give you his phone number here really quick also just to make sure that you've got that as well. So Roof Savers of Colorado, his number, 303-710-6916, 303-710-6916. Any damage at all, or if you just want to make sure you don't have any damage, give Dave a call, and he'll handle the rest. That's Roof Savers of Colorado. This is Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Summer hailstorms have returned with a bang, leaving roofs across the front range in need of repair or replacement. You need to know what options will be best for your home. Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we pride ourselves in helping homeowners maintain their roofs through hail or shine. We work with any insurance company to get your damaged roof the replacement it needs. However, if you are looking to get more life out of your current roof, we also offer a 100% plant-based rejuvenation treatment that gives new roof performance without all the new roof costs. With over 20 plus years of roofing experience, 
We believe in helping you determine the right solution for your situation and through every season. If you think your roof has been a victim of hail, contact us to set up your free inspection and receive an honest evaluation about the condition of your roof. Call today at 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com to keep a durable roof over your head. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. Have you been thinking about a new pair of glasses? Maybe some prescription sunglasses. We'll look no further than Stack Optical. Since 1968, yes, you heard me right. Since 1968, Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality ocular care for their patients. This family-owned business is proud to be one of the few optical offices that has their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Stack Optical, located at 2233 South Monaco Parkway, features the most extensive lines of eyeglass frames, sunglasses, and contact lenses to ensure that you love your appearance and experience superior comfort. Our comprehensive eye exams proactively diagnose eye conditions and diseases while providing the most accurate vision care. We welcome you to experience a lifetime of superior ocular care from doctors that are devoted to your eye health. Call now for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream, even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. All right, we are back. Ready-radio.com is the website. And again, Ready Radio KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us. Okay, so we've covered a couple of different things today. One, how to be safer in your home by not having certain pictures on the Internet and so on. So get that taken care of. Also think it's a great idea for you to have a some sort of a water pump, not like 
on your car, but a pump that you could move water with for all sorts of things. And by the way, they come in really handy for all sorts of things. Uh, you may find yourself just, hey, this is great and never realized how handy it would be to do different things with. But now that I've got it, I use it quite often, especially in the summertime. So the other thing I wanted to cover today, which is maybe more of a drive radio thing, but it does, I think, fit into ready radio because a lot of folks that listen to ready radio are trying to be prepared. And by prepared, I mean storage of water, storage of fuel. Now, I am, I'm a weirdo. My wife will be the first to tell you that. Charlie will say the same thing. I'm a goofball. I'm very particular about certain things. And gas storage, by the way, is one of those. I hate, despise regular gas cans. So you're going to say, well, what, what, what do you use then? Well, I will explain. In my opinion, there's but only maybe a few, if not one or two, regular type gas cans I would have around my house because I just hate them. They're, they all leak. They evaporate. Uh, the gas, of course, goes bad when it's, when it's got air that can hit it. And technically, you're not supposed to have any gas cans now that vent. They're supposed to have, you know, be sealed and so on. But they're, you know, if you look at some of these gas cans today, they are as cheesy as cheesy gets. They're absolute garbage in some cases. I don't even know how they get the stamp of approval to be sold. They're that bad. I, I in, my, in my world, I like what we call race jugs. Some of you are going to say, what in the world are you talking about, John? Well, in the automotive world and those that race, they know what I'm talking about because race jugs come in two different varieties. Well, I'm not saying that correctly. You can buy all sorts of different race jugs, but the ones I'm talking about come in two different shapes. Maybe that's how I should say it. Round or square. Now, I particularly like the square ones because when you start stacking two or three of them next to each other, they're square. They fill up the space. They stack nice. You know, put them on the floor, typically around a shelf. They stack nice and they, you know, just go into a nice space and they're square. And where round ones, you always end up with space around them. The square jugs will typically be a little bit shorter because they're, you know, you're, you're not having a round jug. You're a square jug. You're filling up the corners and so on. The other thing I like about them is they have a nice screw-on round lid, if you would. So it's like a, think of a ball glass jar with a screw-on top. These race jugs have exactly that. Now, what's really nice about them is they have a screw on top that's about three inches across, so three inches in diameter, yet have a small one-inch plug on top that if you buy a spout for it, you actually can take that plug out, put a spout on it that is also sealed, and when you go to pour the fuel out of that jug, it makes it really easy to put it into something else. Lawnmower, car, tractor, truck, whatever. And the nice thing about them is they're, they're very simple. There's nothing fancy about it. They're sealed the entire time you're not using it. Air's not getting in. Nothing's coming out. And the reason why they work so well in the race world is because when you stack these inside of a 
truck or a trailer or what have you, they don't spill. Nothing's coming out. Race fuel is extremely expensive. So they're trying their best to make sure nothing gets wasted. And because of that, these things are extra heavy duty. Now, are they more money than a typical gas can? Yeah, probably by 10 times. What I mean by that is these will these jugs will run you, you know, twenty to forty dollars depending upon how fancy you get. They make them in different sizes, different shapes, as I just said, uh, all the way up up through five gallons. I think you can buy from a gallon up to five, depending upon how you want to do it. You can buy them at all sorts of different places. Here locally, you can get them at Jacks. You can get them at Ranch Supply. Any of those types of places. I believe Amazon probably still has them. I'm looking right now for. Race jug. I'm just going to type it in. I guarantee you, you can get several different ones. Yes, in fact, they make several different types. Now, they even have the spouts now on Amazon where they didn't used to carry them. And yes, they make a five-gallon, three-gallon. VP, by the way, is a company that makes race fuel. They also make these jugs. Sunoco makes them. And again, they're anywhere from, if you do a three-gallon jug, it's 32 bucks up to the five-gallon capacities are around 40 bucks. They come in different colors. So if you want to be you know, somebody where maybe you've got some diesel fuel and then you've got some gas, you want to store each, you can get different colors of these to do whatever it is you want to do. They come in yellow, tan, clear, red, blue, whatever you want to do, green. The other nice thing about these is because, even pink I just noticed, they, the other nice thing about these is because They've been around the racing world so long, they make really cool trays and or holders that you can store these in. So let's say you've got a truck and you're, it's kind of your bug out mobile and you want to make sure you've got some extra fuel, but you don't want to put one of the big, huge toolboxes with the 100-gallon tank that's built in and all that. You just want to carry two or three jugs with you for extra capacity. Great. You can do that. You can make yourself or they sell pre-made you know, metal, aluminum, typically, containers that you can actually set the jug down in and actually even lock them in if you'd like. So they're very, very versatile, and you can, again, buy the spouts separately, but the cool thing about it is they work really nice. And Dan, my old co-host from from Rush to Reason, is saying, can you put a stabilizer, or would you still use some stabilizer in that race jug? Yes, thank you, Dan. If you're going to put some fuel in there, and keep that on the shelf for the next year, year and a half, two years, for example, which you can, by the way, with the correct stabilizer. Some of you are going to say, okay, what's the stabilizer I should use? The best stabilizer I have found yet is a product sold by BG. They're one of my sponsors during the week or during the weekend on Drive Radio. BG, they sell a product called Supercharge. Okay, just like superchargers for the vehicle, this is supercharged for the fuel. And you would put whatever amount into that container necessary, according to the scale that would be on the side of the bottle. You know, In other words, one container of supercharger will treat more than five gallons. That's my point. So you have to measure it out accordingly if you've got a five-gallon jug. But yes, you would want to put that in there because it will make that fuel stable for a very long time in some cases up to two years depending upon how cool and dry it is dave you're up next go ahead sir hey john i had a question for you i've been looking at this for a while i've got an o2 gmc three-quarter ton pickup and a 30 gallon gas tank and i've seen that there's a uh, an availability for to put in a diesel tank 
that holds 50 gallons, 50 or 60 gallons. But according to what I'm reading on online, they're saying they don't recommend it for regular gas, they only Can't. for diesel. You, what, yeah, what, what year is your is your truck, Dave, again? Yeah, you can't do that. And the, and the reason for that is they build the emission systems for late model vehicles, and I mean late model as in from the early 2000s to now. The evaporative system is all computer controlled, and the canister on it is designed for X amount of capacity. And if you go changing any of that, it'll change the evaporative emissions on the truck. You'll set a check engine light. You'll never get it turned off because nothing is the way it was originally. Okay, all right. That's why, and, and, uh, and by the way, in some cases, you may not pass emissions on down the road. Now, if you lived in a non-emissions area and none of that mattered, you know, knock your socks off. The problem is most of the diesel tanks don't have the same uh, top. Let me say it that way, Dave. Don't have the same top, and the fuel sending unit module and so on doesn't fit the tank the same way. Okay. So is there anything other than, like, a saddle tank? uh only way on gasoline that you can really do it, quote-unquote, legally is to put a larger gas, you know, one of the, like, toolbox-type gas tanks in the bed where you would have a, a switch with an electric pump in that tank that would just fill down into the neck and fill it up accordingly as needed. Okay. All right. Uh, just, I was trying to avoid losing uh, carrying capacity in the pickup truck, you know. And I, I, I hear you. And that's, you know, and, and again, that's why a lot of these companies now, like I just mentioned, you can do like the five-gallon cans, put them in the corners of the beds where you could literally have with you another 20 gallons if you wanted to, each corner. All right. You know, five gallons and, uh, in each I, corner, I for example. Missed, I may have missed it when I was on, on hold there. Uh, did, did you have a recommendation as, as far as how long? It's safe to keep. Yeah, if you use the if you use the BG Supercharged product, Dave, which I talk about a lot on Saturdays on Drive Radio, you put that product in there almost two years. I mean, I've had vehicles I've put that stabilizer in that I've gone and fired up two years later, and it still fires up and it works fine. All right, cool. Um, another real quick question on the fuel thing: uh, vehicles sitting for too long or last ten years, it's got gas in there. Is there a recommended chemical used to clean out any kind of varnishing that's in there? Um, if and most of the time you can look inside of it with a flashlight and just kind of see how varnished up it is. As long as it hasn't been, you know, rusty. I mean, the varnish will typically just come out with with a new fuel that goes in. It'll clean itself. the The biggest thing you got to be careful of is rust because they'll get condensation built up inside. That's why I always tell everybody when you're storing a car, fill the tank. You're better off with it full than empty because yeah. then you have less condensation in it for that very reason, Dave. But the rust is a bigger factor. The varnish will typically come out as you put new fuel in. That's not a big issue. It's the it's the rust and in, in, in the corrosion we're trying to get rid of. Okay. All right. Makes Thanks sense. And, and really quick, by the way, yeah. those jugs I've been talking about too, Dave, work, in my opinion, a thousand times better than the crappy jerry cans do. Okay. Yeah. That's D- good to know. Just as a just side like note. That, so anyways. One of those things you, you look at, like you brought up with, with Jack's, you can go there, and they've got tons of those military jerry cans. And, you know, you'd think, oh, well, if it's good enough for the military, it might be good enough for me to use as a bug-out type of thing. Not really, Maybe because, not. again, in the military, they're using that typically the same, you know, day, week, whatever. They don't care about how long it's been stored. And the problem with jerry cans is unless they're coated on the inside, which a lot of them are not, they'll corrode just like I mentioned a minute ago on a gas tank. Okay. That's why I don't like jerry cans because they will the inside of those, especially cheap Chinese ones, which you got to really be careful because there's a lot of Chinese gas cans that come yeah. into our market yeah. here. Those things will corrode something fierce on the inside. 
I am not a fan of metal jerry cans for that very reason, Dave. All right, cool. Thanks, John. You betcha. And for those of you listening, again, on the on the being ready, the preparedness end of things, I like the plastic cans, jugs, mainly because we get no rust or corrosion or possible contamination from even condensation and so on. Because the plastic, by the way, doesn't even have the same, I hate to use the word sweating, but it doesn't have the same sweating capabilities that the metal tanks will because the the plastic tends to insulate itself more so than the metal will and i guys i'm talking about years of experience from selling all these back when i had my four-wheel drive stores i sold tons and tons and tons of jerry cans because they make gas can mounts where you could put those things on the back of a four-wheel drive have your jerry can and go and i cannot tell you it took me years and years to even find high quality jerry cans that by the way were equal to the price of the jugs i just gave you guys at that point in time, I'd rather carry one of the jugs than I would one of the expensive jerry cans because unless you got one of the really good, solid, and back in the day, I was buying German-made jerry cans because otherwise the rest of them came out of China and they were absolute junk. They would rust on the bottom of the lid itself. They would rust on the inside of the can. They were awful. I got to the point where I quit selling those completely and I moved over to the other style of cans like I just mentioned or jugs, and there's now companies out making plastic type jerry cans you can actually attach to like the spare tire of the vehicle and other things as well but just as far as around the house and keeping some gas around and having in the back of the truck or what have you and even inside of the vehicle these other jugs are so tight they do not vent at all you could literally carry them in the vehicle itself in the back of an suv and it won't bother anything to do so. So, all right, that's it today, guys, for Ready Radio. Thanks so much for listening. Go to the website, ready-radio.com. And as always, unless you're listening to a replay, Rush to Reason is up next. We appreciate you listening, by the way. Again, KLZ Radio 560. and opinions expressed on KLC 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers.